the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. And this week we're going to talk about some of the stuff that's upcoming. Um, the interesting thing is I think we're at a point this year where we're starting to see that we probably only have, what, eight weeks left before the end of the year? I think less. Mm-hmm. Less? Mm-hmm. There's like six. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know that there, there are only a few left for um, school because I, I definitely have to start looking at finals coming up here. But I also have been looking at my uh, list of things to do and to finish. I have also been sort of checking off some of the things that I um, have wanted to do, including, by the way, uh, Jenny and I went to a review of the grant that I wrote. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about artist statements, about elevator pitches, about things like that. And although we're not really going to talk about that as much, I think I wanted to just mention to start our conversation um, today about how much I learned from hearing somebody else critique the idea, like serious critique an idea without me being a part of the conversation. Um, it was really interesting hearing a panel of nine people say exactly what they meant to say about all my concepts, good things, bad things, everything else, um, in that sort of forum. Because I have to tell you, it, it it's always been a conversation uh, critique for me, especially in the last, I don't know, I'm going to say handful of years. I've been always involved in something like that, but it's very weird being sort of a voyeur, like when you're sitting there and you're like, Hmm, this is interesting. Well, I wonder this, if they know it's yeah, me that the they're critiquing. The setup for the room is it's like a big conference room and everyone's around one big table and they have um, a projection on the wall of your work blown up the size of the wall. So it's really interesting. And then along one, like the short wall, the small wall is a bunch of chairs where people can watch. So nobody that's watching can participate in the conversation at all. You have to be completely silent. Um, so it is interesting. The funny thing is, and I think what I took away from like listening to this, of course I wrote some notes down, but it is always, uh, eye opening how different people who are not in your like space or in your industry, like look at something when you say pattern making or when you say design the, what, what they think of is different than what you do. And so trying to like articulate something to like a bigger group of people is like the most difficult part. I think the funny thing is too, I know that, that they're trying to recall everything that I wrote in a couple page grant. Um, while we were sitting there, uh, Jenny and I went and listened to probably about five different grants. Each one was completely different. Um, somebody was doing a sculptural piece Somebody was doing um, more of like a, a fashion and sculpture piece. Somebody was finishing a graphic novel. I was doing a pattern uh, collection. Um, and then what was the other one? Mm. Mm, I forgot. <laughs> but there, there are all these different things. And we were listening to people talk about this. Oh, and that's what I was going to say. The last one was somebody who was doing an illustrated book. And oh, it's the right. f- first time that I've heard people talk about illustration that way in a very long time and I happen to be probably um what's the word I'm looking for uh I feel I feel like I'm always in a group of peers that understands exactly what illustration is and and has a very good handle on like the terminology and sort of the background of what it is why it exists how it works all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and to listen to to everybody talk about this person's grant who was writing an illustrated or illustrating a book it was so bizarre. And so the person's work was blown up on the wall. Um, they had a one-sentence statement about what they were intending on doing with the work. And then it was funny because the work itself was um, technically really nice, uh, conceptually okay, um, was not super cutting edge or anything, totally fine. But the perspective of all the people in the room was really interesting because I think um, even though I don't necessarily know exactly what their backgrounds are, but it was very apparent that they don't see a lot of illustration very no, often. And I don't think a lot of illustrators apply for grants. I think it was sort of an anomaly. So you, you haven't really mentioned it about what the, you haven't really mentioned about what the actual reception or feelings were. You just have said you, it's different from what you expected. So was it a positive thing or a negative thing or did they just not know how to react because it wasn't the normal thing they're used to to judging for a grant well the the work itself was pretty good 
it wasn't something that was totally mind-blowing. It technically was good. You know, it was kind of just good. You know, it's average, normal, totally totally but, normal stuff. No Normal subject matter, stuff you've seen before, something that is expected. Kind of not super yeah. cliche necessarily, but it was normal, you know? The types of proposals, you mean? The work that was shown in the illustration proposal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And like what, you were like, yep, that would be an illustrated book. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I'm going to say something that's kind of, I don't know, for whatever it's worth. It was topics that you would see over and over and over again in, um, actually, and I know why, because I did this too, my high school art. Lots of lots of life trees. Lots mm. of, like, uh, you know, peace signs, symbols, you know. So what color aliens what, not aliens uh, no i did not draw any no nope, cool. nope. <laughs> what was the reception though was it it was they were really really positive yeah okay oh really wow. really okay. positive yeah. which on one hand was fantastic because i agree because you don't see a lot of illustrators applying for some of the fine art grants or just mm-hmm. the, the state grants um i think it's awesome that that person received a very positive reception People said, oh, I like the the technical ability of this person's great. I can see how it translates to a book. Um, She had written a grant to finish two pieces and a bunch of sketches. The concept of the grant is um, artist initiatives grant. So it's supposed to be a learning experience. So although she didn't complete a project project in her proposal, Mm -hmm. it was working towards something bigger. And they were really positive. Um, the funny thing was the way they talked about it and the more they talked about it, the more it was apparent that they were from very different backgrounds. They don't see a lot of illustration. Their idea of what standard illustration is, is built on an idea that probably is, um, maybe a little outdated. Uh, and it was just a really funny experience because I think all day, every day being at the college and being at Light Gray Art Lab and, being in the in the illustration community, you get to hear terms and you get to hear conversations and critiques on such a different nuanced level, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yes, on one side it was awesome hearing that they liked it because that means a lot of good things for illustrators. But then on the other side I was like, wait a second. This specific example is what they envision when they think of illustration. So I had weird kind of mixed feelings. Most of them positive but I was kind of like, huh, what a weird thing. So, so is it is it the mixed feelings? Because if that's what they think of when they see illustration, then illustration will, like, that's that's what they think of. So it's not going to... It was kind of an eye-opening moment, realizing that... Remember when we were talking about how you explain what you do to somebody yep. if they're not in the arts? I realized that it's identical to what we were talking about before. You know, somebody who's not familiar has a very specific idea of what they think you do, you know, which is why we were saying for the past couple of weeks, I I make things that go into a store, you know, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, of course. You probably yeah. put things on mugs or put things on dish towels, you know, or very specific things. It it was just interesting because I, I wonder whether or not some of the cutting edge illustration that we see especially when we see um, artist portfolios or even things in school that people are doing that are very new, if that would have qualified in their mind as illustration, that's what I'm trying to say. Because of the format or because of the bridge between comics and illustration or the bridge between illustration and concept art, and like we see this nuanced format change very specifically for like the output that it is. But when you think illustration, you think children's books you know mm-hmm. right and that's what it like had a very specific it was even in the or grant, murals yeah in the grant it was written her main audience was like pre-k and kindergartners and so it automatically oh. set the tone where people are like this has a like the childlike nostalgic feeling to it where it relates to children so they're like this is good illustration and not that there's like a giant gap between good and bad it's just like what it's intended for but i think it definitely did fit into the realm of like what you would think of as illustration if you weren't in the industry yeah yeah maybe that has a lot to do with it that the proposal was written to match the work so when you see the work and you look at the proposal and it is such a really tight match, you are like, okay, well, I understand this person is not trying to trick me. I get exactly what they're trying to do. 
and they're doing it successfully. Like I think a lot of a lot of it is that too. I mean, not like I haven't seen the work. I don't know how I feel about it, but I think if I was on a panel and I had to give critique, I would probably also base it on how well it matched what their intended outcome was. You know? Yes, of course, and that makes complete sense. Um, the cool thing was in the same probably hour and a half long sitting that we were sitting, we got to listen to a local comic artist proposal for an entire graphic novel. He had started this project a long time ago. It's his third graphic novel. Um, And I was also surprised at how welcoming and positive. And it wasn't like they were just going and saying, everybody's wonderful. Everything is great. Every single thing is great here. I think the proposals had like an equal amount of critique too. Yeah. Yeah. But they they understood like you said, specifically who this was for, like what kind of intention he had for finishing his graphic novel. Um, it was interesting hearing them talking about how people were using funding to better their um, their practice. But I guess the point of me bringing it up is I was just impressed by how open they were for different types of artwork. I was thinking about that the other night. Mm-hmm. So your category can, can be comprised of illustration, Fine visual arts, arts, visual arts. It's all visual arts. So right. that means it could be graphic novels, everything, anything like that. So the people who are um, juring it have have to kind of have a broader um, respect for all different mediums. Mine is in the photography one. Was it only photography or, or maybe was it it's media not. Maybe. I think it might be media and photography, but it's also there are half as many applicants in your group. Right, but I'm just saying the people who are reviewing mine, if they are all photographers look at photography in a more specific light than the people on your panel because oh i see they are not when we look at illustration oh maybe yeah it's like if we were the critique panel for an an illustrator we might see it and we'd be like that looks like high school art (laughs) or or (laughs) Or whatever you know well that's actually when i was talking to um the moderator for the mrec grant Mm -hmm. he said a similar thing because i asked about the diversity of the panel one of the panels we had in the past all the people were from the same background and I asked him about how that influences like the review of our application and he said the same thing that although they don't speak the same like language necessarily because you can't say things like product design for something because they don't understand what that means or what that entails but at the same time like they're juried more harshly if they are in that field because they understand like the merit with right because Somebody who yeah. looks at if you weren't a photographer and you looked at a photo and you'd be like, oh, this is a great photo. It's of a tree. I love it. Or if you were a photographer, you could look at it and be like, well, it's pretty under- underexposed and the upper part is overexposed and it, they could have really done a better job composing it. And you it's know, like when it would have been a nicer. Photoshop file. Yeah. And, and you're it, like, oh, my God, what's so when here? you are yeah. more when you're more informed about a very specific topic, when you see things of that. It's a very specific but thing. You you are much more critical of it. I so. don't think that your panel though is of photographers. I'm just I, yeah yeah. It's media like, people. Uh, the panels are volunteer based, and so they're anyone from any medium. I also think a lot of it is intention too. And if I mean yeah, you're, it's true that if you had a bunch of photographers critiquing photography, they would have more knowledge. But I mean, you can overexpose or underexpose or do whatever you want to a photograph as long as you state it you know, kind of, or refer to it as intentional, then even photographers would have to look at it that way. They'd be like, okay, well, does this suit the intention that the artist had? Is this fitting with what they're trying to do with their proposal? And they might get a different kind of feedback. I think... Well, yeah, but I think in this case, it's not intentionally underexposed or overexposed. Oh, right. It's it would just, just be... It's just... Yeah. The yeah. Funny I'm thing not is, a perfect photographer by any stretch of the imagination, so... I don't know if... I don't know... If in the 12 minutes that they have to critique your your proposal, if they are going to analyze your intentions as much as they are, and this is the interesting thing, some of the stuff I've learned in this one, which I actually think I'm going to use for future grant writing things, is that even though the grant itself was written to be a future project, they directly looked at the artwork that you put up. Like, for example, I did one on a pattern project, and I wanted to do cultural patterns, and what I showed were botanical patterns. And they said, these are all botanical. I don't see any cultural things in here. Mm-hmm. But I was like, the new project I want to do is different. I'm mm-hmm. showing you the old body of work so you can see that I can do patterns. Mm-hmm. 
But of course, you can't say anything because you're sitting there and you're like, I hope you understand. I haven't done this project yet because that's what the grant is for is to do this new thing. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting seeing how they had compared and contrasted the comic one, for example. They said, oh, he's done two already. Here's a photo of one. Here's a photo of the second one. He's going to do a third one. I see. Okay, yes. here's exactly how this works. And so there was a very direct relationship between what they think you can do and if right. you prove it. And even, for example, the comic one, there was a lot of critique of whether doing a third one of something that you've already done is like challenging enough. Right. And so that one had like a lot of criticism at the beginning for not having enough for not having enough like artistic merit or artistic like challenge involved but I think in the end it still had like a really positive vibe because of the motivation to do the project in the first place right you know and it was very interesting they paid a lot of attention to how interested he was in pursuing something that is his own practice they said oh this guy's going to do it regardless of whether or not we fund it that should mean something here that he's he he has intention that he's doing what he's doing because he loves it and maybe we should fund it to help make it easier who knows and then they all kind of looked at each other and then thought about it for a second but it's funny 12 to 15 minutes is really all it, all it was um it's also interesting to know too in those in that little amount of time that we were there i always wondered if they thought a lot about what they were saying and how they were saying it the same way you would if you were in a class critique or if you were critiquing a group of your friends work um there were was so much careful consideration of choosing words that i believe on one hand is is like a necessity because you have to be tactful because you know that somebody may listen to this later the all the reviews are recorded so they know that what they're saying is important and i do think that everyone during this grant was doing a very good job of like they would say something and somebody might um, like articulate or re-say what they said in like a different word, in a different way just it to very make considerate. it even more clear. Yeah, it was very considerate. And, and relevant. Yeah. I was going to say, Chris, I don't think it's it's all media people reviewing yours. I think they probably separate it because like if somebody submitted a, vi- submitted a video, the time frame that they review is very different than like looking at a couple images. So maybe... But I think you're in the same advantage or disadvantage of having, like, a random group of people look at photos. I don't know. Yeah. It is just interesting, though. I, I did I did like the experience. I thought mm-hmm. I was going to go in and be confused by how people come up with their, you know, their their critiques. But it was very straightforward in this one. Yeah. Um, we've had the chance to listen to some other grants where it has been drastically different. And um, the way that their feedback is given is not as straightforward or not as directly related to something you wrote. And it's much more of like a gut feeling about, do I like this project? Yes or no. Um, And I always find that even in my short amount of time looking at grants or whatever, I I just find it really interesting how drastically different that experience can be. Mm -hmm. But it did get me thinking about how people talk about your work when they they don't know you're there, you know? Yeah. Are you going to go to yours, do you think? I don't know. Mine's next week, and... Why wouldn't you go? You don't want to hear I it? No, I, I do. Oh. I think it's hard being in the room and listening to it, because you're trying to take notes and trying to take everything in. Are you worried that your face would turn red? <laughs> no, I think I would be okay, and I've gone to them in the past, and it's not a big deal. Um, I think it'll just depend on which day I end up going. Uh, they haven't sent the final list. Uh, so, like, they sent you a list to tell you what number you were going to be, so you kind of had an idea. Yeah. But I haven't got that list yet, so... I might go. Yep. I've also had some like interesting, I've either had really good experiences or really bad experiences listening to Grant. You're either so, offended and, and Offended angry. or being like, cool, that was awesome. And I learned a lot or that was a really nice review or critique or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think it just depends. But yours is right now. The second. I think right the second. I think today. it might be over. Today. Yeah. I think it was earlier. Today. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have any inkling of going? I knew that I would not be able to make it, but if I could have, I totally would have. You would have? Yeah. And, uh, absolutely. And you think you would have gone just to kind of hear what the critique was and trying to yeah. figure out what to do next I time? I think or? it's really important to be able to see your work from somebody else outside of yourself. Yeah. And it's cool to be able to, to actually have that experience. I don't think you get it very often anymore. Were you pretty confident about your application that you put in? I felt like I did the best job that I could and I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. But I also am aware that this is 
kind of a first for me so so it would have been kind of helpful to probably hear that group talk about what you were you're going through especially because this is a fairly new proposal i mean you've done proposals for grants in the past but it's been what five years or something haven't you i actually haven't done one for myself oh Oh. yeah i did yes i thought you did i did do one yeah how what was the process like was it very different i had no idea what i was doing i i just wrote a proposal so so it was different it was different yeah so this one you felt much more prepared i felt uh, i guess more prepared yeah i don't know i still kind of feel like i don't know what i'm doing that's another reason why i probably would have liked to have gone because then i could have pieced it together yeah well at least you'll get you'll get the audio clips you can listen to it which is like you don't get the same sort of feeling as being in the room yeah but um the other cool thing is now you have that like body of text that you wrote so if you used it for other ways to raise funds or just as like a project description or i don't know just to think through all the financing parts of a project is really helpful Mm -hmm. to like break down how much studio time you need and mm-hmm. what kind of equipment you need. Like, that was a, a good start to That a was a really good process. I think that is something that I should do for all my projects. And I actually, um, I was talking with a student about this because she had asked me about how do you, how do you quote something, especially a bigger project. And I was like, well, nowadays, here's what I do. And it was interesting to learn how much time it actually takes me to do stuff because it is way more time than I thought. Weren't you just talking about that the other day about how you approach projects with like a client? Yeah, now now I do. Yeah, I totally like I think cuz I I mean, even though you're even if you're not getting paid for a project, it's kind of good to know how much you're spending on it, you know, just to know. Like because spending is in hours. In hours and then you can translate that to money depending on how much your rate is. And I think it's good to know just because in the case that you would ever have to do that for money, then you'd be able to say, "Oh, well, I know how much that costs." And I can totally do that. I have enough time or I don't have enough time, maybe we're going to have to cut this project back. Um, and that's kind of what I was talking about with the student was, you know, it, it, it's, it's great when you get a, when a client approaches you with a project, but you also have to really make sure that it's something that is not going to kill you in time and money, you know? So that's so funny. I, while you were talking about that, I just remembered that we used to do this thing uh, a long time ago. I took this class called professional practice and they had us have a studio log where you log like how many hours per day. Yeah, and how many hours per day and what it went towards, like if it was like promotional things or like actual physical making. And then you could keep track of like how many hours you're working, your material cost and like studio cost. Um, and so it'd keep you'd keep track every day. It was also motivational because you'd be like, oh, I didn't put in any hours in this category today or whatever. But it's funny because it's a similar thing where mm-hmm. if you keep that good of track of things, then if somebody's like, how much for this book? You don't have to go back and think how long it took you to Yeah, you, have, you can give them you a rough estimate. It. I also yeah. think it's important. Like, so there's the money part and there's also the time part and like the extra bonus of the time part, which was, again, like this project, I'm going to keep referring to this project that the student told me about, but it was massive. It was like, it was basically doing a book. And I was like, I think one of the first questions I have is like, okay, well, is that going to take up the next two years of your life then? Like, how much time do you have to donate to a book? And that can be fine, but you also have to think, well, okay, well, that's the next two years of my life. That means I'm, like, going to give up my Saturdays forever, you know? Or I'm going to give up my whatever, like... Like, you kind of have to figure out how that's going to work and be a part of your life. And so, like, having a approximation of time, you can calculate that a lot quicker, you know? So you're just kind of like, okay, well... And it's also great, too, because clients like to be informed. And so the more you can tell a client, like here's where I am right now, here's how, here's what you can expect, here's the next time you can expect it, um, and this is the next time I can show you something, like, that kind of, like, alleviates some of their stress, too, so there's, like, this, like, I don't know, like, that kind of thing going on, so I sort of went on a tangent there, but. No, it makes sense, I mean, I think when you're estimating anything, and, like, even in the grant setting, I think, too, they want to know exactly how you're going to complete something, how much it's going to cost, what's going to happen, um, and I, and you guys know this, I have been spending the last one million years of my life writing this estimate over and over and over mm-hmm. again for a, a project. And it is something it's frustrating. that I, it's frustrating. It's the potential is exciting. The estimate writing is frustrating. Uh, I think doing it over is frustrating. I think it's just, um, I know it's part of the process to get the job. You have to write an estimate. Mm-hmm. I realize that. 
Um, it is, it's always interesting though, depending on, on like the types of projects, uh, like you said, you get to a formula where you know exactly how long things take you and you try your best to, to spell it out. I have a tendency in my estimate writing to itemize things down to the absolute exact number of things that a client will get in their deliverables mm-hmm, which for a is couple good. of reasons. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and actually a student asked me this the other day too, because we we're having a conversation like, how do you price something? Like, how does that even work? And, um, and I said, the only thing you have to sell is your time. So you better think really hard about, you know, what exactly this is going to, like you said, cost you for time, what section of your life it's going to take and, and how do you want to itemize that out for somebody to understand? And so when I was writing this, uh, and I do all of the estimate writing for the most part, of course, with input from, um, Chris and Francesca for all of our design work, it is very interesting, very time consuming to estimate a big project out add a schedule, do something. And then, um, these days I'm so specific down to exactly the number of pieces that people will get and how many revisions and how many things, because the more transparent those estimates are, the easier it is to keep a positive conversation about it. Right. And, and I always put my estimate in the contract too, because it's, you know, that's really an important piece of information. And so you are basically saying, here's what I'm promising you. And here's, you know, this is like the exchange that we can totally agree to. So that's why I think estimates can be stressful sometimes. Like, like I remember, especially a big project, like it'll take me a couple of days, you know, for like, to do the project, to, to write the estimate, like I'll, I'll write oh. it and then I'll look, revisit it to be like, okay, just to I, make sure that well, you... to make sure I didn't like promise something that I can't handle, you know? Yeah. Um, it is like writing a paper. It is like writing a paper. Yeah. This morning I had to explain my estimate to somebody at nine o'clock in the morning. And for anybody that, that has heard me talk about this before. I I teach at night, so my schedule is shifted. So I woke up and I was super groggy and I have a weird cold this week. And I was like, oh man, time for presentation time. Better be excited about talking about this estimate. So I walked through all these different things and my voice was like cracking and kind of crackly and croaky. And then all my cats were swarming, trying to get my attention. I was like, come on, you guys. I'm trying to do this like at my house studio. Um, But it's interesting too, you know, it's there's like a, a kind of a presentation aspect that comes. And Francesca, you might do a lot of stuff over email. I don't know if you ever have to explain your estimates. Um, I have to present these massive estimates in an hour-long meeting quite frequently. <laughs> and so it's really interesting to have to be 100% behind everything that you said. You have to believe in everything that you've written. And you have to prove that that's exactly what that's going to take. Mm-hmm. so that somebody can believe in your process. Um, and it, it always is a very interesting realization to, you know, and over the years I've practiced this down to a science for saying, oh, yeah, well, this is exactly why I do it this way and why I write every single detail so that you can see. You know, like, it's a very transparent process. Um, and I do think that instills a little bit more uh, trust in the relationship between myself and the client. Um and I think it makes it easier for them to understand what we're really doing. Because I think art, in some cases, is a very nebulous, strange process for people. They say, mm-hmm. oh, why do you have to, like, come up with concepts first? Like, don't you just sit down and draw it? And you're like, no, I have to work <laughs> through ideas and then pick one and then research and more, you know, and do all these different things. And that part of it is so interesting when you write that down and you have to explain that to somebody who doesn't normally do that. Um, I do write that part in my estimate very plainly. Here's how long it takes me to research, and here's how many hours it takes me to research. And they go, oh, okay. Oh, I see. And I'm like, it's because I want to give you a, not just a beautiful thing, but a beautifully researched thing as well. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have to explain that to people? I have, but not. I've not ever had it in like a... I don't know. It's interesting because I, I have worked with people who have not really had any background in the arts and not understood the process, But I've been fortunate enough that those people have always been really, like, fascinated and happy that I was telling them that stuff. Because I also do that, too. I'm like, well, here's here's the sketch phase, and here's the concepting phase, and here's the research phase. And they're like, oh, what? What is that? Well, that's good. I mean, but I think it also depends on, like, like, I mean, these clients tend to be smaller. So they're they're more like, I don't know, they're curious about that process. So they, 
it's like kind of an added bonus for, for me to, be able to walk through and tell them all that stuff. I think a lot of times I have to justify that piece of the process. Yeah, and I think that's like I can see that being a thing. And I think it's I think it's been good having to to have to do that. And I mean, same thing with the grant writing. It is a massive proposal for how much it's going to cost somebody. You know, yeah. a grant is a giant estimate. It is. It, it is. is. It truly is. And that's the funny thing about it. You have to. Even if it's not like a line of text with a number attached to it, you have to like explain or defend any single thing you put in there. Because if you put something in there and they find a hole in it, then they have to figure out where that's coming from. And that's exactly the same with a client thing. For example, I was talking to somebody today and I said, well, if you want us to do a packaging style guide, you're going to have to license the fonts. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, what? We have to pay for some fonts? Uh, and I was like, don't worry, they're not going to be super expensive or anything, you know, it's, but it's a, definitely a cost that comes with it or stock photography mm-hmm. or whatever else, you know, it's funny because the end product doesn't always, it's not as easy for somebody to think through all the little tiny added costs. It may not come from me, mm-hmm. but it has to come somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. but the same thing I, in my grant writing, I said I needed Adobe creative cloud subscription for one year. Because that is the tool I'm going to make all my stuff with. And they said, I see she's written Creative Cloud as a thing she's got to pay for. Why would she need that? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think I'm going to make my artwork with? But I, of course, I just had to sit silently. Well, but I was like, One of the hmm. people on the panel was a version of a pattern maker where she makes skirts and she was like, I take an object and then I scoot it around and then I put it here and then I put it there. <laughs> she and was adorable. But she was, yeah, I think she was really cute. She understood me on a different level, which yes. was good. Yes. But I think, again, maybe traditional media and, and digital media, still there's still a separation. A yeah. yeah, in in that specific like group of people, maybe. But yeah. but I thought that was really interesting. Some of these things you you describe, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's the funny thing too. Like saying Creative Cloud, you could have said Studio Materials one thousand dollars. I and they should have just, said that, like glazed right over it. But I know? but instead I was like, mm, yeah, specifically here's the thing that is the term for what I actually use, you know. Yeah. But that's what I was saying before. It's kind of like when they say, oh, this is illustration. This is a good version of illustration, and you're like, is it though? <laughs> maybe it is you know and, and and then it's kind of like uh again studio materials versus creative cloud you know like that's we talked about specifics last time but yeah. i do think it it's interesting having to break down exactly what goes into a process like that i find with grant writing you start with a massive sum and then you try and break it down into what is achievable with this amount of money yeah i still have to do that with clients they say my budget is this much, and I say, okay, well, here's how much I can give you for that. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I think more projects start in that fashion than the other way around, mm-hmm. where they say, I want this end thing. Tell me how much it costs. Yeah, no, same. I really? have the same thing. Yeah, totally. And I, one other thing I was going to say that's great about estimates is it not only tells the client about your process, but it also tells you yourself as an artist and sometimes I'll do an estimate and I'll be like I'm not sure I should do this project right I will give you the estimate but let me just tell you it's going to be more than you you might want to spend which is I mean that's too bad and sometimes I'll I have done things where I'll be like well I really want to do this project so I'm going to cut you a deal but yeah um, and I I talked to my student about that last week and he stopped and stayed after class for probably about a half an hour 45 minutes just talking and he's like I want to I I want to do some projects how do you even know what your rate is you know, and I sort of have a formula for whatever it's worth, you know, and I say, like, think about how much you want to make a year and then divide it in half. And that's a good place to start for your hourly rate. It's a good place to start. Doesn't mean you have to stay there. But if you're just starting, it's totally fine. You know, Um, I'm sure there's there are tons of resources, tons of great books for trying to anticipate it. But we all kind of know they're skewed depending on where you live, what's around you, how big the place is, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he was saying too, like, what do you do if it's a really great place and you don't, you know, what if they only have a hundred bucks? And I'm like, well, how much do you care about that project? (laughs) You know, like, like I'll do projects for free sometimes just because it is totally worth it, you Mm know? Um, but it's interesting just to think about that, that estimate writing too. Um, we do estimate writing in a different way at like gray art lab. Um, we have a couple thoughts for projects. We have tossed over a couple different things for end of year, um, kind of interactive stuff. Uh, and 
our whole decision-making process happens because we have to juggle around exactly how much time and how many resources and how much we can afford to print for free for people or, you know, um, how many man hours do we have that we can dedicate to something. And that's always really interesting because I think, too, um, Jenny, you came into my class a week ago or two and you talked about the scheduling process for how we consider doing a printed project, mm-hmm. which I think was really interesting for those guys to see because it, you know, we'll announce a call for art and then a couple months later a thing will happen. But then you don't yeah. really think about like all of the things that go behind it. So since you do a lot of the time estimates, can you describe, for example, um, maybe we can talk about the girls book. Sure. Remember that project? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I remember it very well. Two years ago. I know. That's super crazy. It's super weird. I can't weird. believe it's been that long. I know. We also just had the like anniversary of the tarot deck, which is crazy. That's super also weird. But um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the hard thing about what we're doing is if we do have anywhere between like 10 or 12 shows a year, everything is constantly overlapping. So even if it looks like nothing's happening, there's like 10 shows in the works. And so it's this weird bubble of things that are like floating over the top of each other. And every day there's like a drastically different priority. But for a book project, we try and figure out like what's the least amount of time that we'll need. And then if we have extra time, we'll do it. Um, A lot of the time we can only think like eight or 10 months out because of how many things are like between now and 10 months from now. And so um, like a book project for sure takes at least six months from the call for art to it arriving at the gallery. Which I feel is a pretty quick turnaround for a a published something somewhere. Just is, based on yeah. our client projects that we do. I think we rarely have projects like that that go any faster than that mm. ever, you know. Um some of the some of the books you've done for other people, they've started it a long time ago. All the content's figured out yeah. and they're just putting into a layout, you know? Right. Um, well even even before the call for art goes out there's usually a month or two of us brainstorming and tossing things around um and budgeting like like actual financial like right like a lot of the things that go into the book is you talking to um like a printer yeah Yeah. printer and seeing like what formats there are how thick it can be how many people should even be in the show we need to know that before the call for art happens so that we can um like let people know how many we're going to be accepting we can let them know about what the time strain is like, like for Dream Arcade, for example, the artists had a lot of work to do. And so we had to let them know up front that it was going to be a lot of work um, just so they can also budget their time. But usually for a book project, we have the call for art, which is anywhere between like two weeks to a month. And then the artists usually have about a month and a half of that time. So we're already up to like two, two and a half months. And then um, it usually takes about two months to get back from the printer We have to order samples, get the samples, write the book, put it together. A lot of graphic design that happens from you guys. And so pretty quickly, it is a full six months. And that's the minimum. So sometimes if we're doing a bigger project or like in place, for example, when we had to write all, (laughs) we had to write the entire book, which was a lot of research. It It completely changed halfway through. Yeah, it wasn't just describing like Katy Perry or something. It was researching cultures and researching the most interesting thing about each location and trying to edit it into a really cohesive I think our objective changed once we got the art too yeah we said oh yeah well you can already see these things we have to write about something else now yeah yeah so there's like pre-research and writing and then when the art comes back you have to sort of like adjust it so that it complements each other and doesn't like overpower or underpower Um, depending on like what the artwork is. So that Mm -hmm. was super interesting. You're like, I wrote about this war and then it came back as this peaceful garden. So I should probably change it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at this point, since you've got this under your belt for a while, when somebody says how long, you know, or if I come up and I say, oh, Jenny, quick, we got to figure out, can I, can I slide this show in here between this month and this month? And I say, how long is it going to take for us to print all these things if we had 60 people? Like, do you feel pretty confident at this point that you would be able to estimate? Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. estimating time for shows is is pretty easy now. Um, 
sometimes a lot of the time we'll come up with a great concept and say it fits in this month and then we'll work backwards through the timeline and we should have put the call out yesterday oh yeah that always happens (laughs) that happens a lot but I think I feel good about that do you guys feel like that just comes with with time and familiarity with what you do that it gets easier for you to be like I know exactly how long this is going to take me I have a I always have a rough idea but I never know exactly really how about you Chris um, I wish I knew better. A lot of times when I'm thinking about it specifically, I'm thinking about different clients and projects. If I know the client well, then I have a really good idea. Oh, because but every you're like, client, oh, this person takes a little longer here. Yeah, we, like we have definite clients where we're like, this person needs, like just working with these with this client, it is going to take X amount of time more than working with this other client over here. There's some clients who um, it's just a really fluid thing. And then there's other ones where... They're just a little bit they more, want to talk about it they're more. a little bit more handholdy or something like that so or yeah. or their expectations are not as defined and that, um that but is a, so but in terms of just like how long does it take to do this amount of sketches then you have a pretty good idea or something like that that's See, the other thing it's good to have a buffer always like i that, i always do this with F estimates both especially with time is give yourself more time i also feel like and i think a lot of artists do this and i think that's where a lot of the artists estimate problems come from it feels like you are faster than you are. Yeah. Maybe some people are the opposite where it feels like they are slower no. and they're just like, I'm so slow. I'm so slow. But, um, in almost all the projects I've worked on or offices, creative offices I've worked on, you might think we'll turn this project around in a week. This is an easy project. Yeah. And then it always turns into something much longer. Mm-hmm. And that's partially due because you, you just didn't, think about all the small things you had to do or the changes that come along down the line, things like that. People that uh, have specific jobs being project managers. Right. And I I think that here, because we have tiny, weird Venn diagram of teams, you know, like we Mm -hmm. have the light gray team and paper bicycle team. Um, We, certain ones of us, like Jenny is the taskmaster for light gray. And I end up being more of a taskmaster than not, I, I guess, for, um, paper bicycle just because clients are asking me what when things are coming back and all that but it's interesting because um i think with somebody managing those meetings or those mini deadlines it's a lot easier to stick to what you said you were going to do in your estimate Mm -hmm. and i then of course like the client is happy because you you stick within their budget and then you're happy because you didn't run over like 15 or 20 or 25 hours of time you know um and and that's always an interesting thing too like having those little tiny steps in there um in a lot of the estimates that i've been writing with bigger projects those are built into not only the estimate itself but also there's a schedule included that says this is how many hours between this phase and this phase if anything changes this is what our rate is and here's how we would approach adjusting it you know um the estimate i sent last night was two pages long. It was an outline of every single thing that you would have to get, Mm -hmm. all the things I needed to start the project, all the considerations, everything I wasn't going to do. Like it was a very specific one because um, this particular client, I think not only appreciates transparency, but they also, because we haven't really worked with them very often, hardly at all, they probably should be seeing that side of our process. Mm-hmm. so that they know exactly what they're getting yeah i think it's a good for a lot of yeah non-creative people to see how much work and how much what actual exactly thing goes, goes in into it because a lot of times they're like how could this possibly have taken you this long to right and to create these final rendered things and bigger like multi-step projects need all that you know because mm-hmm. i mean even again like you as the artist need to know what you're going to be doing next i actually really like having it because it I look at it as a guideline for what I'm supposed to be working on. So I will look, refer back to my estimate and see how I am doing on time. And I mean, it's true. Like I, like, you know, you're saying like things take longer. I always end up taking longer. Um, there's a phrase that I really like, um, called walk the coastline, which is you, you need to factor in all these like tiny little bits that you don't really consider when you're doing an estimate. So that's why you give yourself that buffer. But if I can check my estimate and say, oh, okay, I'm kind of on time. Yeah. That's really awesome. I like it when we have a couple extra hours just hanging out there where you're like, <laughs> yeah. whew, this is good. Well, um, 
Speaking of a couple extra hours, hopefully in the end of the year here, we'll have a little bit of time to reflect. Um, I hope you guys are actually budgeting some time for friends and family and things like that. We have a couple events coming up that you should budget some times for. What do we have coming up? Well, we actually have game nights coming up. The next three have been scheduled, and you should look for those coming up on the blog or on Facebook. The first one is actually going to be different because it's on Friday instead of Wednesday, thanks to the holidays. But it will be November 21st, which is a Friday, and it will be... This Friday. Yes, this Friday. Yeah, this Friday. And it is Marketplace. So it's all about buying, selling, trading, and doing all sorts of uh, bidding. Are we going to be playing the game of life? I don't are think we, or what we have like, a game. Like, yeah. No, no, we're gonna buy some luxury fabrics from the wares yeah, we might and play, the stalls and the the things of uh, the ancient land. We'll play land. Splendor, maybe. What's, yep. What are the games? We could play Splendor. We could play Settlers of Catan. There's um, what's that new one you got? Jaipur. Yeah, that was a good. And one. maybe even Going Going Gone. Mm. Oh, I don't think you own that one yet. I might about- not, but this is a good excuse <laughs> to pick it up. <laughs> I see how this is. Hmm. Chris wants his shopping list. And then just so you know, coming up after that, December 3rd, we're going back to the Wednesday schedule and that will be um, Emergency. These are tentative titles. I usually think of them a little bit more in depth as I get closer to them, but that's going to be real life emergency situations like pandemic operation, or actually it's just called Flashpoint. It's a fireman simulator I you meant game. Operation, operation. <laughs> like, uh, well, that, uh, that is a good one too. I think, I think we, we have SpongeBob. I think I do have SpongeBob. Bring that. I'll bring yeah. that too. So real we'll life. Have, we can test we'll have fires and diseases and, uh, and surgery over here. SpongeBob surgery. <laughs> so there'll be games based about real life emergency situations and then the last one is december 17th and uh that is a winter themed how fitting game night which could be wonderful things like winter carcassonne or it could be horrible things like dead of winter so anything ice and winter themed so those are the upcoming game nights so get ready that sounds great that actually sounds like good ones. Yeah, I'm excited for the winter one. <laughs> not that to say your really other good. ones weren't good, Chris. That's not what I meant. I, I just said said it because I was thinking Very, about the, the topics, all yes. my favorite things, except for emergencies. But I can see how SpongeBob could fit in there, and that makes me glow with joy. So um, we also have a couple other things. Again, I keep saying this. I know it's going to appear one of these days on the blog. Hopefully um, this week. Yeah. Jenny's been gutted for me to get my <laughs> stuff together so I can put it on there and I don't blame her because I think if all goes well, keep a watchful eye on the blog because new projects might be a coming. So <laughs> see, <laughs> see if you can find them on there and I will see if I can get myself together, put those on there for you. So, um, but they should be really cool when they are there. Yeah. We also just announced all the artists that will be joining us for next year's artist residency. We have two fantastic groups of artists that are going to be attending the residency. They come from all industries, animation, um, feature film. They come from freelance illustration, design, um, and from everywhere around the world. So we're really excited for this upcoming residency. And thank you to everyone who applied. We had uh, nearly 100 applications of people who are interested and so many awesome artists that we've worked with in the past. So this was a tough choice, but everyone um, that is coming, we're very excited for. Yep. Um, and again, thanks, you guys. We will make sure in the next probably several months to put out information um, about the residency in general. If you missed it this last time, if you want to take a look at it for future years, we would love to see you guys apply. Um, and as always, uh, you know, we have plenty of other things coming up at Light Gray. We are actually considering doing a couple other programs that are a little bit uh, less intensive, but uh, with a very similar atmosphere. And again, like Jenny said, thank you so much to everybody that spent the time, put in the applications, and said hello to us. Um, we had a lot of really great conversations and uh, are looking for to connecting again with some of you guys for future residency uh, possibilities. So um, take a peek, see who um, is going to be joining us this next year. And again, we also got some information up there about the people that went with us um, on our very first year. So if you'd like to see more of the pictures that people took on the Iceland 2014 trip, uh, if you want to learn more about those artists as well, we've got some information there for you on the on the website uh, right under the residency link. 
we'll actually probably uh, stick that also in the podcast notes for those of you guys that want an easy access. So thanks again. And uh, last thing that I want to put on here, it's still only a couple weeks out, but we want to make sure it's on your calendar. If you're in the Minneapolis or uh, St. Paul, Twin Cities area, and you want to stop by for our, what is it, fourth? I keep asking you this. I think we said fifth last time. Fifth? Fifth annual cookie party. Um, we are throwing a giant cookie swap where if you are interested in baking a a dish, nope. A, uh, a tray. Yeah. A tray full of cookies. A tray full of your favorite a cookies. batch, I think. Oh, yeah, batch. That's batch. what we were looking for. Yeah, sure. Why was that so hard? If you want to bake a batch of your favorite cookies or two, bring them on over and bring a Tupperware or another container of sorts, a tin or, you know, festive plastic bag. Whatever you'd like. Bring a giant old bag so you can grab a bunch of all these great cookies and take them with you. We actually will have a sign-up page for different types of cookies. That way we've got this really great, delicious spread of stuff. Um, That is December 21st. So if you're you're not... From 1 to 3. And if you're not gone for the holidays yet, come and celebrate with us. Um, We'll have lots of festivities happening that day. So where can people find us if they want to say Hi. Well, if you want to send us email, say hi in email person. You can send it to podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. You can also always find us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook and stay up to date there. You can follow us on Tumblr. We're lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream every episode directly on Stitcher Radio. And I think that's it. I think you're right. Great. Well, thanks, you guys, for listening to our conversation about estimates. So (laughs) we hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk with you soon. Hidden me? somewhere? Don't can't you I be do. like? Send it five, nine, five, nine, 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 and then we'll be like, just make, like yeah, just say that. Yeah. Don't say actual words. Just no, make my, noises. It only comes out when I say things like downtown. Yeah, say that really Found. fast, but then add some numbers in it. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. You know what we did today? We sang Christmas songs in the car and tried to do a round of Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. And how did it go, Chris? You couldn't figure out how to do a round because then we just sang would, in unison. I would just hear Were you singing a, a Christmas song that actually is a round? No, we that, sang that yeah, bell that song. Ding, 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 oh, Carol ding, the Bells? Ding, it's ding, the best song. Yeah, and then Chris forgot it after that point.